Hello and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. So I have done a few episodes of Fides Podcast in regards to the issue of foster care. And I will be honest, I really didn't know or understand the foster care system and everything that is involved in it until I started this show. And I have come to really, really appreciate the importance and the value of foster parents and the foster system. My guest today is Kathleen Pado. Kathleen is the author of a new book called Fostering Love, A Glimpse into Foster Care. Kathleen, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's really my pleasure. And uh, we got connected through a mutual fr- friend. And uh, I'm glad that we connected. And I'm, as I said in the beginning, in the opening, I really mean it. I never understood the foster system as I have gotten into this and come to a better understanding of it. I have a great appreciation for fostering. So I want to maybe start with, we'll talk about your book for sure. But the first question that kind of comes to mind is, you know, how and why did you get involved in the foster system? Because you and your husband are foster parents, right? We sure are. Uh, You know, it started when I was about 10 years old. My parents took me to see the play Little Orphan Annie. And I thought that Miss Hannigan was so mean to those little girls. I left there that day telling my dad when I grew up, I was going to open an orphanage and be nice to the little girls. And then when I got married and I was older, I actually went to nursing school. I found out there really weren't orphanages around, maybe a few here and there. Uh, But my husband was interested in being a foster parent. So shortly after we got married, we pursued becoming foster parents and we've been foster parents most of our married life. Well, you know, and what's amazing is you have been a foster parent, but you also have four of your own kids, correct? You have four children yourselves. And obviously that's that in and of itself is a challenge and something you need to focus on. You're looking obviously to raise your children right and make them you know, great grown adults, as I'm sure that they are. And now you undertake the foster children who come with some challenges, right? I mean, that is a part of it uh, that is difficult. So you then, you just released and just published this book. Again, it's called Fostering Love, A Glimpse into Foster Care. You can see in uh, Kathleen, if you're watching this on video, you can see the book in the background of her or her image. So take me through what motivated you ultimately, since you've obviously been a foster parent involved in fostering for a long time, and you just recently wrote this book, what motivated you to write it? Specifically, I wanted to write the book because I feel that many people in our community are intrigued by the foster care system. They don't really know a lot about it. And if you want to become a foster parent, well, then those people will look into the system and they'll educate themselves. And if they want to become a foster parent, they will. But there are a lot of people in our communities, I feel, who would like to help foster children and foster families, but maybe they don't really want to be a foster parent. And so my husband and I have just always said there's so many things that outside community members can do to help support a foster family, which in turn helps support a foster child. And that's the reason we decided to write the book to bring some awareness to that. Yeah. And what better people to do that with the experience that you have? Uh, So in your book, you you do talk about, if you go to your website, KathleenPado.com, and that's last name is P-A-Y-D-O. So you can go there and and learn more about the book and get the book, most importantly. So, but in the book, you talk about how in you're going to 
speak to the hardships and successes of fostering. Would you be able to share a couple examples of the hardships and a couple examples of the successes? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. Um, for the hardships, I would say that uh, foster children and actually foster parents alike really have a bad reputation. If you think about the media and books and movies, we're not portrayed very well. And uh, foster children are regular, normal children. They do have a lot of needs, but they're really lonely. They haven't had a stable home and they're really looking for the simple things that our own or every other child in the country is looking for. Um, somebody to depend on and somebody who's going to consistently be there for them. And they're really wonderful children. Uh, you know, there's a few bad days here and there, like every job, but mostly uh, they're very, very good, wonderful children. They just need uh, a lot of support to help them uh, heal past their traumas and grow. Uh, and I mean, we're working on life skills with children from the time they're two years old. I don't care if it's just you know, how to get their pull-up up correctly or how to get their teeth brushed correctly, all the way down to teenagers where we're talking to them about finances. So we're always trying to teach them to be a little bit stronger than what they came into care. Um, we, our job is to be a bridge for families uh, and so that they're with us a certain amount of time, could be two days, could be two years, but they're with us. And during that time, hopefully their family is receiving enough support and services to make the situation better for when they go home. And so I would say that uh, one of our success stories would be um, a young uh, a baby was about nine months old when she came to our home and um, she had a lot of medical conditions and we took her directly from the hospital home. And uh, we left a note on the smart board in the hospital room and it said, you know, hello, Skye's family, we're the Pados and we're going to be her foster parents and here's our cell phone number and give us a call or text us if you want to. And that mom later told me that because we did that, she knew she would be successful in getting her child back. She felt like we were on her side from the beginning. And so over time that we had that child about 10 months in our home. Um, that mom was a young mom and just didn't realize how sick her child was. And she went and learned a lot about it. And she came to our house and did help me grow sessions. And we worked closely with the biological family to strengthen the child and the mother's knowledge. And they, they never lost any of their bonding during all of this time. And she successfully was reunited with her mother and we're still a support to that family to this day with, you know, text messages and phone calls and gifts at Christmas and things like that. So that's one of our better success stories. That is just amazing to me in just thinking about the foster's care. Fostering is a life issue, right? I, I do a lot of my show about pro-life, you know, anti-abortion. We talk a lot about other issues as well, but pro-life is a a predominant one. And this is really a pro-life issue, right? You're changing someone's life quite drastically in a lot of cases, you know, based upon a situation like you just described and certainly many others. I know that drugs or crime are part of the many of the reasons why kids go into foster care without your support in the, being that bridge many of these kids would be trapped in a very difficult situation and then it would be this vicious circle, right? And so it, it it's really inspiring to hear and see. Am I correct in saying that one of the, the big issues uh, for the need of foster care is 
drugs and crime? Is that typically what happens? Yes, it's, uh, you know, I will tell you um, the amount of fentanyl, the, all of the drugs coming into our country. Um, there's a, just a ton of extra children that need care to begin with. And then it is so severe, the neglect that these children are suffering because their parents, I've been told by a recovering drug addict that she saw the baby bottle sitting on the counter and she knew she had formula, but in her brain, she couldn't put together that formula went into the bottle and the bottle went into the baby's mouth to feed the baby. I mean, it disrupts their thought processes. And so, you know, maybe they're using their rent money uh, instead of buying, uh, you know, rent or, or, or groceries and they're using it on drugs. And so the, the children are malnourished and they're terribly developmentally delayed and they, they don't really get a lot of life experiences. And so the drugs are affecting our gener this younger generation in so many ways. It's not just affecting the parents who um, are, you know, suffering from drug, you know, the effects of drug abuse but it is having a terrible toll on our children. And the I know of a case where the family was living in a hotel room for several years. And you know, they sit in the dark and they they have no toys. And well, what do you do? You just get into mischief and you have, you know, you really don't have people to talk with. They weren't going to school. Their speech is very delayed. So all of these things compound. And we're just seeing these children be so delayed. And they have very few life experiences outside of their very small area. And then COVID kind of added to that because we were in the homes a lot and children were not getting out to obviously go to school, but obviously other things like even walking around the mall or going to the park or going to the zoo. So we work very, very hard to give the children many life experiences while they're in care and hoping that their families are also getting many services set up around them. Uh, hopefully drug uh, abuse therapy counseling, but it, it doesn't always work out. It's not always pretty in the end. And the drugs are really taking a toll on our youngsters. And early years, right, are so important for development of kids, especially if you end up with a child with certain degrees of special needs. Uh, early intervention is so important. So anytime, literally months are, could make the difference uh, between the success of a young child in their life and the failure, right? So that's why it's so important. So in going through your website and going through some of the things that you have done and talked about, you use faith, uh, you use your religion, your faith in the, the rearing of these children, because you are obviously having a pretty big impact. As you said, it could be a two-day fostering, it could be two-year. So right. you're having a pretty good impact. How important is your faith to you and your husband in doing all this? And how important is it to instill faith in these kids? I think it's very important. Uh, my husband and I uh, feel that having a strong faith and support of each other is the foundation of everything in our life. And if we don't have a strong foundation ourselves, how can we raise our own biological children? How can their formation be strong? And then if we can't do that successfully with the children in our own home, how are we going to help extra children coming into our home? And we always look to add foster children to our, our family dynamic. So our family dynamic is very strong, 
but we want to add others to it. We have a lot of love to share, but we don't change or lose our family dynamic because we're bringing children in. And I think I see that as a problem sometimes with younger families. Uh, they just totally change because of bringing foster children in. And what you really need to do is learn to incorporate that into your life. So that would, faith is part of that. So we uh, feel that children are comforted by faith. Some, some have an idea about church or maybe they said a prayer or something might be familiar to them. Like grandma took me to church one time. Um, but other ones who don't know anything about it are sometimes very intrigued by it. And they all take comfort in knowing that Jesus is with us 24 seven, whether you're locked away in a bedroom, whether you're out at school, you know, you, and I use the word locked away in a bedroom because that's, I have a several children who that happened to them. Uh, having faith and understand that Jesus is with them every minute of every day is very eye-opening and very comforting to children. Um, you know, I had a teen collapse in my arms one day. We were having this conversation about Jesus being with you. And, and she was an only child and her family dynamic was very disrupted. And so for her having this faith in this person who was with her 24 seven, she had never known that. And, and now as an adult, uh, she attends church and she does Bible study and she helps with the playroom. And, and so I think it is, it's very comforting. We also pray for the children's families every single night God bless all our mommies. God bless all our daddies, however many there are in our home. And I tell them that God bless means we're wishing them happiness and good health and that we're happy to think about them during the day. We don't want that to be a taboo subject. We want them to understand that we are happy to pray and think about their family. They can talk about their families. That just makes for stronger emotional bonds for the children. Just curious how how was it with foster kids and your children? How did they interact? How did they engage? What impact did it have on your kids? You know, I'm glad you asked that, Jerry, because there's not a lot of information out there about how fostering affects biological children in the family. And I feel like there needs to be a lot more teaching, a lot more conversation about it. I, it the easy answer is it's positive and negative. Um, for the negative aspect, I would say that a lot of times they have to share a lot of things, including their parents' time. And, um, you know, maybe some of their things get ruined along the way. Uh, so that's a little bit of a problem. We do try to give them some control, uh, you know, maybe like senior year or a year you're getting married. We, we kind of say to them, you know, how many kids are you interested? Like, you know, do you not want a bunch of kids running around? Would you rather have teens at this time or would you rather have littles? So we try to give them a little bit of control, especially if it's a special year for them, always keeping them in the forefront of our mind. They're obviously at the, our top priority. Uh, but positively, my children know signs and symptoms of diseases that most adults know don't know. And they know about growth and development, and they know about helping little ones' feelings along, and they know about hurdle helping through school, and they know about IEPs and they can suction and they can do a tube feed. And so there are many things that my children have taken away from this. Um, and so if you ask them, mostly uh, because they're very close, the four of them are very close. I feel like that um, they were always able to maintain that closeness while adding foster children in and accepting them, including them wherever they could. But we did never feel the call to be adoptive foster parents. And I have the utmost respect for anyone who adopts children because that's where you're in it for the 
the long term, no doubt. Even though we've been fostering for most of 35 years, uh, you know, it's it's not the same as every minute of every day like adoptive families do. And so that was not our calling, but fostering certainly was. So we've helped many children in and out of our home and we've we've taken we've gotten blessings from every one of them. So how many how many foster kids could you or have you had at one time? Well, I say the the children I have actually signed papers on that have actually been placed with me through the courts is nearing 150 children at this point. Um, and we do lots of respites and babysittings and things like that. I, I don't count those children in the count. But um, some I, I tell my friends, sometimes I feel like I'm running a bed and breakfast. Uh, I, I had one period of time, 14 days, where I had 14 children in and out of my home for various reasons. So one set for two weeks and then a set in there for five days and then, you know, just various reasons. So it's a lot of in and out. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. That That is incredible. Thank you. It, it really is. So that actually, just a couple of questions in regards to the foster system. Are there challenges within the system itself that you think need to be remedied? Well, I think there are some challenges. Um, being um, a, a kind and conscientious foster parent and being respectful of your agency and agency staff goes a long way. Because again, through media, there's just not a lot of good stories out there about agency, social workers and foster parents getting along and all that. that that's just not the norm. Uh, you know, we all have personalities and there are bad days, as I said before. But in general, if we try very hard to support them, they try very hard to support us. Um, I would say one of the biggest problems is uh, uh, retention of foster parents. So um, I've asked county officials, how much does it cost to license a foster family? And you get a lot of varying uh, opinions because of cost of living and where we live in the country and so on. But I've gotten the estimates of four to six to eight to ten thousand dollars to license a foster family. That means going through training, going through your home assessment, um, the man hours, and statistically, 50% of foster parents quit after their first year of service. So either their first placement, their first child, or their first year of service, and then they we lose 50% of our homes. So then think about your county budget. I mean, if every single time you're not only having to recruit more families because we have all of these extra children in our country now, we have all of these increased drug problems, which is causing severe neglect. And so we need more homes to begin with. And so if we could re if we could not only recruit homes, but if we could retain the ones we have, we'd be saving our counties a lot of money. And then that trickles down because then if they are saving money, maybe there's more money for extra social workers. And then instead of social workers having 18 on a caseload when they're supposed to have 12, then that helps with their uh, retention and their job satisfaction. So there's a lot of trickle down effect in my opinion. Uh, so and that then brings me into the question of you had talked about how you you and your husband weren't specifically called to adopt, which is fine. I mean, that that's that's everyone has their role. Um, so there probably are people listening who might say, I don't even want I, I think this is great. I, I want to help, but I don't think I could adopt. I don't think I could foster. I don't think I could do anything like that Maybe for whatever reason. What are some other ways that people can help the foster system? This is the strongest point I'd like to make today is that 
foster families need support. And I always say every good foster home has four or five good support families behind them. And these are people who consistently, routinely give us breaks, like a respite break. You could be an alternative caregiver, which is minimal paperwork. It's usually a background check, signing a discipline policy. Um, and you pass that, then you're able to be an alternative caregiver for a family. And these people are just invaluable for us. Um, once in a while, they'll bring a meal over or they'll take a, our children for a weekend or actually we can go on vacation. And, you know, sometimes the children go with us. Sometimes they're not allowed out of the state. And so they can't go with you. Uh, but these are very, very helpful things for us. I also tell people if they don't want to do that, they don't really want to even be a babysitter once a month, which maybe some people do. There are so many people in our world who know how to play chess and checkers and fish and sew and all of these life skills that these children need. And I'm telling you, they need to have life experiences. So every life experience a child can have, uh, it helps them. It's called wrapping layers of love around the child. So uh, abuse and neglect take away these layers of love and confidence. And we're trying to build that back into children. So I'll give you an example. There was a young uh, fellow who came to our house and um, he was pretty disruptive, um, energetic boy. And he, one day I could hear him doing something upstairs. I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but I could hear a door squeaking and creaking. And I went upstairs and he actually tore this solid oak door off of its hinges by swinging back and forth on it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So instead of paying somebody to come and fix this door because it was cracked, you know, it's going to have to have wood filler. It was going to have to have, you know, a, a good repair job. You know, I had him help me carry the car, the, the door to my car. I had took it to my dad's house. My dad is uh, partially a carpenter and uh, he spent the day with my dad and my dad taught him how to repair the door. And then that evening when he came home, he carried the, the door back upstairs. I helped him, but not not a lot. I made him do the, the brunt of the work and my husband helped him hang the door. And so we taught him several lessons that day. And what did he say when he left our house? Can I come back again another weekend? So these are things, you know, my, my father donating his time instead of just fixing the door was a life lesson for that child. And that wrapped a layer of love around that child. And that helps to decrease the effects of the neglect and abuse on children. Yeah, that that's great. And that that's exactly it. You can help in any way that you think, if you're listening, that you think you are capable of helping. And it could be a small thing like spending an afternoon or playing catch or something if you're a neighbor to a foster family, right? You Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our neighbors once in a while will drop by and say, we're walking to the Dairy Queen. Can the kids come with us? Yeah. And that's awesome. such a treat for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that is really fantastic. And, and as I said it again in the beginning, the more I have learned about fostering, the more I have admired the people involved in it. And uh, certainly uh, you and your husband uh, have you. done really phenomenal things. So uh, again, the, book is called Fostering Love, A Glimpse into Foster Care. Where can people find and get this book? It's available on Amazon. You can go to KathleenPado.com and get it there as well. And again, you can see um, she has a couple areas of her website too that you can explore as well. So again, Kathleen, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for all that you do, you and your husband do. 
for the these foster kids and these foster families because it's the whole family really that you're helping and our society quite frankly so uh kathleen pado thank you for being here thank you very much and thank all of you for being here for this episode of fides podcast with kathleen pado author of fostering love a glimpse into foster care please check it out please get the book kathleen pado Uh, And check out all my podcasts on all the different podcast apps on YouTube, on Rumble, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on WriteAmericaMedia.com. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time.